Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is your brother Mikail Ahmed Smith here from Qalam. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures that we will always be able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of lis- listeners, so the support you give to this community in this effort brings immense reward. You never know who will benefit from your donation. Assalamu alaikum. اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغناء يا رب العالمين يا الله we ask you to make this a gathering whereby we get closer to you and deepen our understanding of you يا الله we ask you يا الله to make our love for you the most powering and overpowering love in our hearts يا رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم okay so continuing with our study of this book of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi رحمه الله تعالى as you can hear I'm a little bit under the weather inshallah so if I have to interrupt, please excuse me, inshallah, ahead of time. I was expecting one of our brothers was going to bring that shy, but I ain't seeing him here today, so. You got the message saying that he wasn't coming through. Oh, word? I didn't see it. Qayyim, inshallah. Qadallah, mashallah. inshallah. So we're going to continue. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, the section that we're studying uh, right now is still discussing this primary issue of muhabba or love. And the reason why Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi is talking about love so much is because the person who wrote that question talking about they were stuck in a type of sin, the, the primary sin was that they had engaged and become involved and in, fallen in love with someone and established an illicit relationship with them. And as effect of that relationship, that haram relationship that they had, they, they felt that problem in their heart and they wrote this question to Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi to find a way out of that. So he was teaching us that the only way out of that is to create um, a stronger love. And for the last maybe five or six classes, we've been discussing this concept of muhabba or love because that is the primary motivator of our actions. And that's what he's been teaching us. So today he has one final section on this concept um, or the effects of love. And I'm gonna read that section to you right now, inshallah. This next section is called Atharul Muhabba, the effects of love. He says, He says, Muhabba, whether it's good or bad, love, no matter whether it's a good or positive or a praiseworthy love or a harmful love, it's going to have effects, it's going to have natural consequences, and there's going to be rulings attached to that. There's going to be rulings attached to that from the Sharia perspective. He says whether it's beneficial or harmful, there will be effects of that love like dhawq, where you taste it, you taste, you feel it deep inside. Halawa, a sweetness, that the love has a sweetness to it. Shok, the desire, longing for it. Wal uns, to feel comfortable around that thing that you love. Al ittisal bil mahbub, wal qurb min to become close to that thing that you love. And oftentimes being separated from that thing that you love as well. He says, He says, another effect of your love 
is going to be farah, happiness, surur, to become elated, to become overjoyed. Wal buka, crying is another effect of, of, of your love. Wal huzn, sadness as well. He's like, there's more, but I'm just giving you a few. What he's saying at this point, he's like, no matter what type of love you have, there's going to be some consequences or some effects or some athar of that love that you have. Now, what he's trying to tell us is it doesn't matter whether or not that love is a beneficial love or a harmful love. It doesn't matter. I need the, I need the connection. It doesn't matter whether or not that love is a beneficial love or a harmful love. It's going to have consequences. Now listen to what he says. He says, now a praiseworthy love that you want to have in your heart is It's going to be a beneficial love that brings you benefit in this world and the hereafter. Not just this world. This world is short. But this world and the hereafter. And he says, this here and one of Sa'ada. This is the main thing you need to become successful in the sight of Allah. Sa'ada means success in the sight of Allah. Wabara, he says, the harmful love, hiyalati, it is the opposite. It's the one that pulls harm to you in this world and the next world. That's the harmful love. When you love something that's killing you. When you love something that's killing you, it's eating you up, but you still love it. Now, what does he say? He says, it's understood that anyone that's living and has intelligence will never ever choose to love something that harms them. They'll never ever choose that. But why do we do that? He says, the reason why we do that is because of jahal. Number one, jahal. What's jahal? Ignorance. ignorance. Number one is ignorance or dhulm. Dhulm. Put something where it doesn't belong. Remember that definition of dhul. Dhul means to oppress something. Now look what he says. The innan nafs. He says that indeed your, your nafs, yourself, your desires inside you, sometimes love something that ma that will hurt it and don't give benefit. It doesn't give you benefit. This is how you harm yourself. Now, why does that happen? Either because you are ignorant of the true state of the thing that you love, so that you love that thing, but you're not aware of the harmful effects of it. So what he's saying, the first reason that you would love something that's harmful to you is because you're ignorant of the true reality of that thing that you love. You don't really know it. You don't really have knowledge about it. So that's why you love that thing. But that's not the case all the time. He says, Hada had, he says, he says, and then some people, the situation is that they have complete knowledge about the thing that they love, about the harms of it. You ask someone, yo, you know smoke is bad for you? Like, yeah, man, I know. I know. <coughs> I, saw, I saw something on Facebook today that was kind of funny. And it reminded me of this, if I could quote it correctly. It was like, it said something like, um, uh, thinking, something about thinking. If you think about it, something you realize. The more I thought about it, the more I realized drinking was bad. So I stopped thinking. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the sign said, right? It's like, oh, uh, uh, funny. 
I'm like, nah, we got halakha on that tonight. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't even funny. That's, that's the problem right there. <laughs> Literally, I saw that today. So I stopped thinking. Right? SubhanAllah. So he says, the other reason is you know that it's harmful. The person knows that it's harmful. However, your lower self, that thing inside you, overpowers that knowledge. Overpowers your knowledge. Now he says, so what happens? Your love for that thing has two issues. Incorrect understanding of that thing, number one. And you have a lower self, a blameworthy lower self that's overpowering you. And he says, this is the case. He says, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other, or sometimes it's both of them. And they're both the thing controlling you. You know what I mean by both of them? Like both of those things are the things that are affecting and creating that, uh, that power. Shubha and shahwa. Doubt and desire inside of you. Now look what he says next. This is beautiful. وَإِذَا عَرَفَ هَذَا وَإِذَا عُرِفَ هَذَا you know how we said no matter what you love, it's going to have effects like tears, like, like sadness, like happiness, like all those things he mentioned, a sweetness, a taste to it, a familiarity with that thing you feel comfortable. He said whatever type of love you have, these effects are going to come, right? So look what he says next. He says once you understand that, then realize this, whatever the love is, the effects of it have the same hukum, have the same uh, uh, level in the sight of Allah. What do I mean by that? He says, So say, say you have a beneficial love, and that, loves, that love brings joy to your heart. So that joy, because the love is beneficial, that joy is a beneficial joy to you. Because the asal love, the base love that you have is a beneficial love. So the tears that come from a beneficial love. I'll give you an example. You know, when we used to be like memorizing Quran, right? So like you spend years doing it and some days it's like hard, man. So I remember seeing students like some days they're trying to memorize Quran and they just break down crying. It's just hard. Right? You're in, you're in Qalam, you're studying, you're doing something positive, and, and, and your struggle, that, that effort you're putting in, sometimes it breaks you down. So I would see you know, kids or young people who are studying, they would just break down in tears, like, I can't get it. And immediately, immediately the teacher would scoop them up and say, you know those tears right now are the most beloved tears to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, but the question is why? Why are those tears of sadness beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because of the asal. Because of the reason behind it. So what I find interesting is when you watch like Netflix and you watch different things on whatever you watch on, we get moved by the tears, no matter the struggle. You get what I'm saying? We get moved by the tears. We don't care about the struggle. The struggle could be like to, I don't know. I can think of some stuff people struggle for. And then they cry about it. It was so hard. Oh. Like, yo, that's not even like legit what you're struggling for. 
That's not even a beneficial thing. You get what I'm saying? You understand exactly, right? So what he's saying is that so the sad, so people ask this question like sadness, depression. Is it because this is a good thing? Is it a bad thing? This happiness I'm feeling is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi is explaining at this point is it's not the depression, it's not the sadness, it's why are you experiencing that? You get what I'm saying? Look at the example he gives. He says, he says whatever it is, if it's huzan, sadness, is beneficial if the reason is beneficial. The tears are beneficial if the reason is beneficial. All of those loves that are beneficial, <laughs> that create different effects, those effects are beneficial if the love was beneficial. The him to him, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, okay, there's plenty of examples we can give, right? We've cried over a lot of not beneficial loves. You know what I'm saying? We've cried over a lot of even harmful loves that we're losing. Those tears are harmful according to what he's saying. Those tears are, are not good tears. We've been joyful over, for real? <laughs> for the one who passed it and the one who made it, this is something that is very important and it gives you deeper insight to the different changes we feel as effect to the things that we love. So look at the example he gives. Oh, so look what he says. He says, A harmful, blameworthy love. All of the effects of that love are harmful to you. The joy you feel from that harmful love that joy you feel from that thing that you know is harmful, that joy is harmful and sinful as well. SubhanAllah. He says, not only that, that joy you feel, or sadness you feel, or depression you feel, or whatever it may be, whatever effect you feel from that harmful love, he says, is pushing you away from Allah. Wait, hold on, hold on. So that means my joy and happiness, my joy from a harmful love is pushing me away from Allah. But my sadness from a beneficial love, my hardship from a beneficial love, fahemtum, I see the nods, y'all getting it. So here's the example. There's a Quranic example that highlights this most beautiful way. He says, Wahada Shatnu Kulufit Tawala Excuse me. Wahada. This is the case with every action that comes from obedience or comes from ascent. That the effect of it is either beneficial or harmful based on the base. Everything that comes as an effect of your obedience to Allah, ziyada li sahiba qurba, is getting you closer to Allah. Wa kullu, and everything that is a consequence or an effect, be it emotional, physical, whatever it may be, from a sin, is pushing you away. Now here's the example, there's a verse of Quran. See, this is the thing, sometimes we make choices in life for the sake of Allah, and then as soon as we make that choice, we get hit with test after test, tear after tear. You know what I'm saying? Tear after tear, after I made the choice. But if you understand today's lesson, you're like, oh, I get it. 
that whatever joy, sadness, based on my love for Allah, that's cleansing, that's beneficial for me. Let me give the, the, the Quranic example. The Sahaba used to have to go on, the companions of the Prophet used to have to go on these long journeys for jihad and war. But that would be very difficult. And some other people would be like, yo, we ain't rolling, it's too hot, yo, I ain't going. It's right now? Uh uh, I ain't going. It's too hot. Right? But those who were close to the Prophet, it'll be in the middle of the summer, and they'd be like, no, we're going. So these verses were revealed that were saying every thirst that they feel, every ache they feel in their feet, every small little hardship that they're going through that they have no control over, they're getting the reward for that. They're getting the reward for that. And then the next verse says, وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَ نَفَقَةً صَغِيرًا وَلَا كَبِيرًا إِلَّا كُتِبَ لَهُمْ Something's happened to you as a result. So you have no control over the depression or sadness you feel. You have no control over that. But there's other conscientious choice that you make voluntarily. Then the verse says, even for those things, you're getting reward. So he says, so he says here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that all of the things that come as a consequence of those Sahaba's righteous actions is being written as good for them and is beneficial for them. Some of them are actions that occurred to them. You didn't do anything, but you're feeling depressed, you're crying, you're going through hardship because of that choice. That choice, that those tears are beneficial for you. And then the other thing is the thing they chose to do, which is spend. Allah is saying they're being rewarded for that. So he says, فَتَأَمَّلْ He's like, yo, contemplate over the person who's killed out of love. Yo, this is heavy. He says, think. The one who's killed over love. Think over what we just talked about deeply. Whatever you love, think about the pain and the suffering and the joys you're experiencing because of that love. Fahimtum insha'Allah. Allah give us tawfiq. Alright, so this section is done. I'm gonna go to the next section, but are there any questions regarding this? I feel that this section section really touched home with me because that joy, if it's joy from something that's not good for me, that joy isn't benefiting me. Yes. So um just for people, I feel like there's always exceptions for things. Um for people who may be like an unhealthy Yeah, in that situation, I mean, if she's doing, he or she having tears for the marriage, in that case, that's clearly beneficial to a point because they're doing that for the sake of, of holding that marriage together. Obviously, there's exceptions, especially in marriage, there's so many like variables in that. But generally speaking, to keep a marriage together, the Rasul said, there's so many hadith about shaitan loving for a marriage to break up, right? So even the tears that he or she is experiencing, right? trying to hold that together, those tears have benefit. <coughs> if you don't see the benefit here, then there is benefit and reward, right? But like you said, there's exceptions, inshallah. It gets to a point where it's harmful then, right? Yeah. So you said to the um, harmful things that you have to look back on. So what if it's 
So the anger as an effect, as a result of the thing that you love that's harmful. Yeah, but anger at yourself for doing it, I guess. Or that would be positive in a way yeah. because it's pushing you away from that thing. Yes, so. Yeah, so with regards to like um, sadness or you said depression also, about a thing that um, is A unhealthy. positive love or unhealthy. Right. It's, yeah. unha it's unhealthy, but you also said that it's something that, was, that takes you away from almost my bad, right? Yeah. So even those tears and that depression, like you mentioned, is taking you away from almost my Yeah. So someone listening to that um, who might be in that situation, yeah. um, in that case, it, I feel like it's even more discouraging to hear that, like, I'm in this predicament, I'm feeling depressed, let's yeah. say it's to that extreme. And also on top of that, my depression is because of something that's unhealthy yeah. or, or whatever, and that's taking you away from almost my data. So like, it, are, does, um, I don't know if like, if you play him or you have like a solution for that. So if someone's listening no, to that. No, the point, the point that he's trying to point out is that, yes, you're correct. It may be a hit to the chest. It may be difficult to hear that. Like, I have a love for, uh, for something haram or something not good and I'm depressed because of that love. It's causing anxiety, it's causing sadness, causing tears, and it's not even something I'm supposed to love. Um, hearing this, I think, should wake you up to say that like, I'm not even rewarded for this hardship I'm going through for this thing I'm loving. I need to cut the love out. So he's talking at, at the core about cutting love out for things that are harmful. So, wallahu alam, I think that's what he's trying to. I mean, I understand that, and yeah. I'm just saying, like, when someone is unhealthily attached to something, yeah. and they are to the point where it's causing them depression, which means that their heart is very in, in it, right? Yeah. And they might even know logically in their brain that this is haram and this is something that I should not be. Yeah. So what is the solution for that person? Oh, that's the whole point of the book. Like, that's what he's trying to teach us, is how to place other ha uh, muhabba above other muhabba, right? Like, to use other loves to conquer that smaller love. Wallahu <coughs> Okay, so uh, continuing now. So this section is over, and what's interesting now, if you were with us about like five classes ago, now you may have missed that class, you may not. I'm gonna remind you, um, about five or six classes ago, what he, what he said is that um, he brought up the topic of a deep infatuation, like ishq, and ishq is just to be excessively in love with something. Be to the point where it's it's all you think about. It takes everything away. So the reason he brought this up is because the person who asked the question, their whole issue was that they've fallen in love with somebody, they're having a haram relationship with that person, and they don't know what to do. So about six classes ago, what he said was, he started to talk about this specific issue of having this uh, deep infatuation with, uh, uh, with someone, an excessive love with someone. So he said, like, Perhaps this is the question that you were asking, that how does someone get out of this deep love that is harmful? And what he said was, he's like, remember, here's the answer to your question. Allah, Rasul said, every sickness that was sent down, Allah also sent the cure for it. Some people know it, some people don't. He said, for your sickness, who are we talking about? Specifically this person who has fallen in love, a deep attachment to something, and it's reached the point of haram, and they can't break the love for it. He says there's two solutions. This was way back. If you have notes, you would have to look way back, like six classes ago. He said there's two solutions. He's like, the first solution I'm gonna give you is how to cut it off before it even gets inside of you. 
That was the first one. So he's like, I'm gonna teach you preventative medicine for this disease. I'm gonna teach you preventative medicine for this infatuation with physical form. And that's what he calls it. He calls it ishkosura, to be infatuated without external form and physical form. Then he said the second mechanism is how to take it out of the heart after you've already fallen in love. So everything we read for the last six classes up till now, he was simply explaining how to protect your heart from getting that in there in the first place. So now it's interesting what he's gonna do now is he's actually teaching that second method for you to take that, that, that unhealthy love out of your heart that's already there. Fahimtum? But you have to remember, he's specifically talking about what type of love? A romantic love. A person that has fallen in love with someone's physical form and they're obsessed with that. So listen to what he says here. He says, a tarifothani, the second method for curing this, this uh, excessive love, infatuation. He says, وَنَقْتِمُ الْجَوَابِ وَنَقْتِمُ الْجَوَابِ بِفَصْلٍ مُتَعَلِكٍ بِإِشْكُ السُّوَرِ He's like, I'm gonna end this question. So he's telling you like we're ending the book. He's like, I'm gonna end this question with something that solves this problem of loving external form and physical beauty. That's it. Ishq of suwa. Suwa, external. He says, He's like, I wanna explain to you how dangerous it is for you to become an ashik of someone who's excessively in love with external forms of things. Remember, we're using the same word love, but the word ishq is now a dangerous love. Right, you guys with me? The Arabic form of ishq is not muhabba. Muhabba is a healthy love. It's, it's, it's within uh, uh, limits. Ishq is like you can't sleep. Ishq, you can't stop thinking about that person. Like day and night, it's just there constantly. It doesn't go anywhere. So he says, he says, he says, I'm going to explain to you all of the, 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 uh, the harms inside of this, regardless of how much people talk about it positively. He's like, you have to understand, it destroys your heart. First thing he says, it destroys your heart. When the heart is destroyed by this love of physical form. One more thing, hold on, before we talk about this. This has to be made relevant. Because as I said previously, Instagram and all of these social media things only highlight physical beauty. They only highlight physical beauty. They do nothing to the in, about showing the internal beauty. And when the Prophet Sallallahu spoke about marriage, he said you could get married for four things. One of them was beauty, right? But what did he say after that? Learn how to be people that look beyond the external. And the problem that we have with much of our social media is it's all about external. So what he's trying to teach us here is that you need to become people who look beyond the external, become people of sirah, not surah, people that look at deeper beauty, not external beauty. But unfortunately, the more you just like, you know what I mean? Like, they keep making better filters, better filters, better filters, better filters. Like now it's standard filters. Like Apple, like we don't care if you want to look more beautiful. We're going to make you look more beautiful. <laughs> it's programmed in there. 
You know what I mean? Like, you take that picture, you start falling in love with yourself. <laughs> like, I actually do look good. <laughs> yeah, I actually do look pretty good, yo. Yeah, I, I understand. It makes sense now, right? <laughs> then when you look in the real mirror, you're like, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> I didn't see that before. So so he's, he's focusing on stop loving form, physical form specifically. Break yourself from that. He says it's going to completely detach you. In fact, what, is he, what does he say? And this was a few classes ago. I'm going to read it again. He says, listen, you can never, a heart can never completely love Allah. He says, He says, you can never truly love Allah the Most High if in your heart is a love for physical forms. Those things will always try to push out the love of Allah, the love of physical forms. And he says, same thing from a previous class. He says, Your love of physical beauty, external forms, will make you miss out on that thing which is more beneficial for you. I'll say that again. Your concern for external beauty and physical form will cause you to miss out on that which is more beneficial for you because you're so caught up on the external. And he, he continues to explain that. So here's what he what is he explaining now. He's really focusing because the person asking this question fell in love with someone. Most likely it was because of the external beauty of that person. So he's trying to teach us how to break that external care about and, and love for the external forms. He says, look, when your heart is filled with love of external forms it destroys the heart when the heart is destroyed your intentions are corrupted your statements, your words are corrupted and your actions are corrupted and he says and the place where tawheed the oneness of Allah lies becomes corrupted as well he's like when it comes to this word ishq there are two places in the Quran where Allah talked about this concept of excessive love, ishq. You know where they are? Imra'atul Aziz and Qawmi Lut. The wife of Aziz who tried to seduce Yusuf, Joseph, that's one place where ishq is mentioned. And the other place, the people of Qawmi Lut. They were the second one where ishq is mentioned. So listen to what he says. He's like, فَأَقْبَرَ Allah tells us about the ishq of the wife of Aziz, her ishq for, for Yusuf and how she tried to seduce him and she plotted on him. And then Allah told us about how his condition was in his uh, patience and his taqwa and, and how he was tested. He says, He's like, he was given such a test, no one could have suffered on the test of Yusuf. No one could have a test. Why? He says, because the likelihood of you doing the action is based on two things. The amount of things pulling you to it and the amount of hindrances that are not present. Listen to this. This is beautiful. He says, the likelihood of you falling into an action are based on two things. The power of the uh, insiders to it and the lack of prohibitors. Do you get what I'm saying by that? So he says the number of things calling you and the lack of things stopping you 
are what determine whether you're going to fall into that action or not. In the case of Yusuf, the number of things, the number of things calling him were many. And the things stopping him were none. Look what he says. Here are the things for Yusuf. Number one. He says, The first problem Yusuf had was he was a man. That's what he said. He says, That which Allah placed in him as a male, as a man, and his inclination to women. He's like, that's the way thirsty people lean to water. The way a hungry person leans to food. Hatta, he says, Hatta in the nas. He's like some people, kathir minan nas. Many people. Yasbir an ta'am. They can have patience from food and water. They can have patience from a woman. So he's like the first thing that was pulling Yusuf, that was against him, was the fact that he was a male. He was a man. And he says, he says, He's like, this ain't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If it's connected to halal. He's like, rather, this is a praiseworthy quality inside a man. It's a praiseworthy. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, He was like, there, there are things from this world that have been made beautiful to me. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? They were loved. He was loved. They were loved by him. So what is he saying here? The first thing, the first thing Yusuf had against him in this scenario of being seduced by uh, Zulaikha was the fact that he had the natural inclinations of any other man. Number two, and the Yusuf Kana Shaban, he was young. He's like the desire of this young man. You know, a young man, like young man like us, man, 35. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know what young is, right? The Shababs think they're young, yo. I'm young. <laughs> Shababs like, yo, you old, dude. <laughs> oh, they're like, you're halfway done. <laughs> so number two against Yusuf was he was young. Number two against Yusuf was he was young. Number three, I knew Kana was uh, uh, He wasn't married. Another thing against him. Number four, he was, he was in a city he was unknown in. Like, when you are in a place no one knows you, don't we, nah, I ain't gonna expose y'all. I'm not gonna expose y'all. But y'all don't do dirt in Dallas. When y'all wanna do dirt, you roll out to another city to do dirt because nobody knows you there. I know. I already know. You don't do dirt here. You go where nobody knows you and you can be free. Free. Don't smile too much. Like, reveal yourself, yo. Is it Austin? Is Austin the dirt city? Is Austin the dirt city? Okay. I don't know where Dallas people go for to the dirt. May Allah protect us, yo. So the fourth, listen. The fourth thing, the fourth thing that, that Yusuf had against him was he was in a place where no one knew him. He was gharib. Number five. 
the person seduced Yusuf, Imra'atun Datin Nasab Wajiman. She had position and beautiful. Position and beautiful. What he's trying to show you is that uh, uh, the situation of Yusuf was, was, was a, a test of suburb like no other. Because everything was in the direction of go for it. Number four, number five. Number six. Okay, he goes, the, the, the fifth, the sixth thing was Zuleika wasn't running away. She was coming to him. She wasn't running away. She was coming to him. So what he talks about here, can I, can I read what he really talks about? <laughs> I normally keep it real. There's a few shabab, like shabab shabab in the class today. <laughs> they won't get it. Like, they won't get it. You're right. All right. So look at the sixth one that he says. This is very interesting. Ibn Taymiyyah Josie. Like, I love the Islamic scholarship and how they kept it real. So look what he says. He says, She wasn't fleeing from him. She wasn't running away. She was coming to him. He's like, Many people. If this sister don't have any like uh, in, uh, inclination towards him, he, he don't care. He's like, I don't care. He loses the radba, the desire. So in the case of Yusuf, it was the opposite, where she's coming to him. And then he goes, he says, He's like, but some people, when the person is playing hard to get, it increases the radba. And then he goes into this whole thing about how anasa mukhtarif wa kada wa kada wa kada wa kada. Tayyib, yani. Number seven, I'm gonna just roll through it. <laughs> okay, okay. Next thing he says, anna talabat wa rawadat wa fakafat mu'nat talab. She plotted, she set it up, she schemed. She set everything up. Everything was ready to go. Number eight, anna hufi dariha. He was in her house, under her sultan, like where she's the mamlaka. She runs the show there. Like, He's in a place where it's her turf. You don't listen to me, you're in trouble. What number is that? Eight, number nine. He didn't have to fear any blame from anyone. There was no blame. No blame. No blame coming at him whatsoever. Number 10. This one I really want to talk about. Because this opens up a discussion towards something else. Because sometimes in our inter... Like, we, we, as Muslims, we need to understand that there's a line between gender interaction. And I think in some of our spaces, that becomes too chill. Right? And I want to I point out something that he talks about here. He says, <laughs> He says that he was owned by her. And he used to live in her house. He used to go in, leave, be there with her. Uh, and no one, there was no, nothing wrong. So he was her slave. He would come, he'd do dishes, he'd mow the lawn. He was in and out, in and out. Yusuf, can you go get that for me? Yusuf, can you go get this? Yusuf, can you wash the dishes? Yusuf, like, they're, they're really chill with each other, right? So what does he say? Like, 
This is the line for me that's heavy. He says, the unsiya was before the request. You know what unsiya means? When all the guards are down, when we chill, when we're real close, when we're real chill, besties. He says, al unsiya qabla talab. That chill, relaxed relationship is what came before the talab. What was the talab? The request. So what does he say here? He says, this is one of the strongest pulls. What? Just that you guys just chill real close. Bro, just chill. Yo, let's just go get coffee, yo. Like, doing some homework, yo. Need some help. The unsia is built up. We real chill. We real chill. And from that is where the next step came. Feel me? I know y'all don't like what I'm saying, but you feel me, right? Nah, you don't even want to say that. Come on, Dila the Imra. So he says here, Ibn Qayyim, Josie always dropping like these little gems from Islamic history. He says, It was once said to a woman of, of righteous nobility, uh, of nobility and status uh, from the Arabs, What caused you to commit zina? She said, He says, the pillow was close, and we talked a lot. Well, that's heavy, yo. Like, things like that slip, is what I'm trying to say. But it only happens after unsia is built. Just casual, like, when you get into friend zone. And from Jahiliya, we knew there, brothers knew there was no friend zone. I don't know. <laughs> friend zone. What? Friend zone. I saw a Berkeley study that proved there's no friend zone. On the man's perspective, there's always a possibility. Maybe, Mumkin. <laughs> Who knows? So be real. And so what he's what what he's saying here is that Imra to Aziz, Imra to Aziz, and him had already been very just like, hey Yusuf, can you go get that for me? Hey Yusuf, can you go, can you run to the store Yusuf and get this? Hey, can you pick me up a, a latte on your way back? You get what I'm trying to say? They were really close. So that was what happened, led to that, that, that closeness there. Tell you. So, um, oh, number 11. She didn't even plot by herself. She called all the other sisters too. Like, we know the second part of the story. After he's like, no. She calls the rest of the crew and asks all of them to come as well. Number 12, she threatened him with prison. Like, he has every excuse to do this now. Like, you're going to go to jail. I right, jail. Okay, why not? Uh, <laughs> no, he's still like, uh-uh. Allah, Allah, Allah. And number 13, <clears throat> this is interesting. Number 13, y'all remember we studied a word called ghayra? Y'all remember that? Okay, some of y'all might not have been here for the word ghayra. Ghayra is a feeling you get, like you know when your little brother, your little brother, some girl is talking to your little brother and you start to feel like, who's she? I'm using brother here, so you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying? You get that feeling like, who is that? Uh Uh-uh, I don't know them. Or your sister. You know what I'm saying? That's called ghayra. Where you like, well, who, 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 who? You know, 
Like they show, never mind. Right. So the, the husband of Zuleika, he says another thing is that the husband of Zuleika had no ghayra whatsoever. Because even after the incident, he stayed with her. Even after the incident, the husband stayed with her, right? Y'all don't know the story of Yusuf? We need to do tafsir of Surah Yusuf, maybe. That's what it seems like we need to do. So what he's saying is the fact that this husband was a husband that didn't even have ghayra is even more of a, of a less of a, de a deterrent, right? So what he's trying to highlight here is that, <clears throat> what he's, all he's trying to highlight, excuse me guys, <clears throat> what he's trying to highlight here is uh, just some aspects of how Yusuf's story of overcoming that, that, that test of ishq was such a phenomenal story because there was everything calling him to it and nothing at all stopping him from that action whatsoever. So for him to overcome that is is, is unparalleled example of overcoming um, that, that test that he had. <clears throat> yo, forgive me guys. I think I'll have to cut it short, yo. I can't really. Huh? 45, exactly. Let me just finish. I think we can stop there, guys. <clears throat> Forgive me, I think I'm coming down with something. So, inshallah. So, inshallah, next week. <clears throat> oh, next week. Yeah, so listen, next week. So, uh, just so you know, we have like five or six sessions left of this book. But after this is done, we'll probably work, not probably, we will continue and do something else, inshallah, together. Um, next week, you guys will have a, a, a special guest. I'm going to be at Valley Ranch. So all the like Arlington crew, everyone who's coming down, still come down here. Inshallah, we still gonna have halakha, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so we'll have a guest here, inshallah ta'ala. Do you know what the topic will be? Um, I'm gonna announce it on the group. I'm gonna ask them to keep going with this, but if they wanna do something else, they could. You know what I'm saying? Inshallah. So you have any other questions before we break? <coughs> <coughs> Allah give us tawfiq. I think this is really, uh, this section that we're going to uh, end on, he's really now actually giving his final medicine to overcoming that, 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 that sin, right? Now it's more specific because now he's actually dealing with a specific sin, someone who's fallen in love with someone else. So it, it but generally speaking, I think it's still very beneficial advice that he's giving us in this section, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. Any other questions, inshallah? Okay, one of our students, their mother is in ICU, Huda. Um, so we want to make dua, inshallah. Right, we want to make dua for her, inshallah. Um, as we end our class, inshallah, time. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka ridaka wal jannah wa na'udhu bika min sakhatika wa ghadabika wal nar. Allahumma laka alhamdu kullu wa laka shukru kullu wa ilayka yarju al-amru kullu alaniyata wa sirru. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma shfi maradana wa marda al-Muslimin ya Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma shfi maradana wa marda al-Muslimin ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give those of our family members and friends who are sick, Shifa, Ajil, Kam, and Muslim, Ya Allah, we ask you to cure them.
and give them shifa, Ya Rabbil Alameen, Ya Allah. We ask you to give their families patience and the ability to, to endure patiently, Ya Allah, the trials that they go through, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, any of the hardships, any of the effects that we feel from a decision we made out of our love for you, we ask you to make that easy for us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the patience to endure the difficulties from those decisions we made out of love for you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, those loves in our heart, which are harmful loves, we ask you, Ya Allah, to take those out of our heart, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and replace it with only those loves that are beneficial for us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil